Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you so much for downloading and pressing play. It is not just another week. It is not just another episode. This is my 100th episode. I cannot believe it has been 100 shows. My my mind is still exploding with I just it's it's crazy just crazy that I've been doing it that long that next month is going to be two years I've been doing it and uh, thank you for tuning in and uh, wanting to listen to this crazy little thing that I decided to do my guest this week is Matthew Arter and the Tutti Fruities no that's not a new doo-wop acapella group though if Matthew did form such a thing, it would be fabulous. But um, no, the Tutti Fruities is what I call my Patreon supporters. They're the people who pledge money every month to the podcast. And I thought the 100th episode would be a great chance to do something special for them and uh, include them in the show. So I asked uh, this little tiny legion of people to watch the show and send me their thoughts. And they did. And you are going to hear them both this week and next week. Now, this big extravaganza 100th episode did end up being really, really long. Like, there was just no editing it down. So I hemmed and hawed, I agonized. Um, you, you may not believe it, but I overanalyzed <laughs> whether or not I wanted to split it into two shows as opposed to one, because I know the Tutti Fruities are expecting to hear themselves this week, and that means some of them have basically been bumped to next week. And uh, I decided to do the two weeks. I'd rather it be in two smaller digestible portions. And, uh, and, and I also kind of get another week off. It's like giving myself a teeny tiny little vacation, little present to myself. I don't know. I like to think of it as uh, this occasion is so amazing and incredible. It can't be contained in one episode. So... Uh, Matthew and the Tutti Fruities and I watched Season 5, Episode 20, called Dream Marriage, and the original air date is February 22nd, 1984. So we're going to be synopsizing the show with the help of Matthew and the Tutti Fruities through the commercial break, and then that's where we're going to stop this week. And then next week, we'll pick right up from where we left off. And the remaining Tutti Fruities we haven't heard from will be heard, I promise you. So let's get right to it. Let's face the facts with Matthew Arter and the Tutti Fruities. Ladies and gentlemen, back for episode 100, Matthew Arter. Can you believe it? David, I cannot believe, I feel like it has been forever, even though we've done like two talkaholics. Yeah. (laughs) But since we actually got to talk about a episode. 
I'm it, so glad to be back. I'm so glad to have you back. And what a perfect, auspicious occasion. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't even know what that word means. But Auspicious like is never the right word for somebody with a speech impediment like mine. <laughs> <laughs> if I see auspicious in a, in a script, I'm like, let me pull out my thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> well, nonetheless... It is what it does feel like it's been a long time since you and I have talked facts of life. But I mean, we had a we had a little three episode run there at the beginning of the season. I know. And I just recently re-listened to them and uh, I apologize, dear listeners. I am a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> like three in a row. I by the end of the second one, I was like, all right, Matthew. <laughs> Oof. Sorry. And- and I've, I think I've said this on the show before, when we both listen to the show, typically the day that it drops, anytime you're on the show, including the, the extra Patreon shows, you'll text me back and you'll just text me, shut up, Matthew. All the time. Like, yeah, like, like you talk too much. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Come on, really? This is when we break into spontaneously singing Mutual Admiration Society. If only we could afford the rights for that song. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. that's how this show starts off. Just enough of the Cinderella song to not get sued. Yes, okay. I was going to bring <laughs> that up, but oh sorry. my God. No, no sorries. We're, you're, you're getting ahead of us, but by getting ahead of us, meaning you're attempting to start the show that we're piddle farting around, <laughs> That'd like be great. I'm going to at you for that. Um, Matthew is here. And we watched season five, episode 20, called Dream Marriage, which originally broadcast on February the 22nd of 1984. It was written by Jerry Mayer, OG writer, creator of the show, Jerry Mayer, and directed by Asad Kelada, the dream team, really, when you think about it. And I am so happy that this episode landed on the 100th and I get to be here for it because it is one of my favorites. Is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, this was the time period when it was kind of dawning on people that the year 2000 was coming. Mm-hmm. And do you remember, though, and this was the thing that, that made me stop and take moment, take pause, David. <laughs> okay. Was that whenever you talked about it, I never thought about, well, well, what's 2010 going to be like? What's 2020? How old am I? How old am I going to be in 2020? I never did that. I Mm. always stopped at 2000. Yeah. Did you do that? Uh, Oh, totally. And it was like, I'm going to be 32. I'm going to be a grown up. What's it going to be? And of course, at that age, it's like, so am I going to have a family? Am I going to be married? Am I going to have children? Ew. Ew. (laughs) and funny that you say that that part of the thought never entered my head (laughs) you never thought you might meet the right girl nope no it was never a a house it was always like what am i going to be doing what am i it was never like oh yeah it's which carol channing song am i going to be putting in the middle of that medley (laughs) (laughs) but if somebody had told me in the year 2000 that I would, I would ring it in backstage at the Disney Hollywood Studios waiting for the fireworks to go off and <laughs> worrying if the world was going to explode. Oh, yeah. Ugh. 
God, mm-hmm. everybody turn off your computers before midnight. Yeah, the Y2K. <laughs> that was the big scare. Uh, I was at a party. My friend Jerry, female friend Jerry, had a big party at her house every year. We were there. She went into her garage and flipped the main breaker of the house right after we happy new year. She flipped the breaker. So we were all like, oh fuck, it's real. It happened. It happened. <laughs> Insane, David. Yeah. And then let's if we could travel back in time. And as, as Dana Gould says, a time machine clearly is never going to be invented because no one's come back from the future yet. So clearly it's never going to happen. But if we could travel back to the Y2K, the year 2000, and say, so what, what do you think is going to all be going on in 20 years, huh? What do, what do you think about that? Could anyone mm. have begun to predict this shitstorm that we're in the middle of? No. Oh, man. But you and I are not in the middle of a shitstorm, Matthew. No. We are in the middle of a love fest. Mm. A love fest because to do something special for my 100th episode, I decided I wanted to reach out to my Tutti Fruities. Those are the people who sponsor the show through Patreon. There are 25 of them who send money every month. God bless them. They are my super fans, my super supporters. And I thought, well, I could include them. So I put out word to the 2D Fruities and Matthew today, we are going to be hearing 17 of them responding to this episode in their own words, in their own voices. Oh, thank God. That's the love fest you were talking about. What did did you think I was talking about? I thought you were talking about the last time I was at a love fest was at the premiere of Stroker Ace with the wonderful Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson. (laughs) And that was quite the love fest. But I I think hearing from the Tutti Fruities is going to be just as good. (laughs) So with that, we are ready to start. And as you and I, Matthew, go along with our thoughts about the show, I am going to be interjecting thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, and desires from the Tutti Fruities. I'm on board. Let's get on this diesel train. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of diesel, <laughs> that actually comes later. But uh, normally, Matthew, as my yeah. guest, I would ask you to synopsize the show uh, at the beginning and give me the short, quick TV guide synopsis. Yes. Not going to do it. Oh, no. I'm so good at it, though. Y- yes, you are. But this is the perfect time to start introducing the Tutti Fruities into the show because Matthew C., not to be confused with you, Matthew A., Matthew C. No. sent in some thoughts about the show. And in his little recording that he sent, he included the TV Guide synopsis. I didn't even ask him to do this, but uh, I'm going to let him do it because he does a great job with it. Let's listen to Matthew C. Mm. Hey, this is Matthew C. from New York, and I am obsessed with Let's Face the Facts. Um, Love the podcast, and it makes me smile every episode. Um, We watch season five, episode 20, and in this episode, um, Blair's boyfriend asks her a very important question the girls agree to meet in the year 2000 for reunion and they all go to bed and Blair has a dream that gives them a little uh, glimpse of what this reunion would be like. And Blair has to decide whether or not she will 
Mary Cliff. Anyway, here are some thoughts that I have on this episode. Um, Trudy and Natalie arrive in the reunion scene with their faces completely beat for the gods, obsessed. Um, and in the year 2020, apparently everybody wears white, which is interesting. Um, Natalie's weave is very thirsty. Um, I think Tootie apparently had to get braces again in the year 2020. Uh, Mrs. Garrett looks exactly the same. And those are really all my thoughts. Anyway, thank you for the podcast and uh, to all the other Tootie Fruities out there. Maybe we should have a Tootie Fruity reunion in the year, I don't know, 2040 or something in Peekskill. Okay, bye. Well, thank you, Matthew C. Oh, he's so sweet. And in addition to the the synopsis, that that's actually that was a very good little teaser, as you might call it, because he's talking about some of the elements to come in the show as we're going to be talking about them, the costuming, the wigs, and uh, all that other fun stuff. So Oh, did he mention I stopped listening after the compliments for the show? I <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just thinking about how, David, we are doing the Lord's work with this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Touching people, touching people, David. Using that as a springboard, we can jump right in and get started with this. We start the episode in the living room of the, the house behind the Edna's Edibles. And Blair is interestingly dressed in a denim skirt, we never see Blair wearing denim, and she has a kerchief around her hair on her head, and she's cleaning out the chimney, and she is singing something, I I didn't recognize it, it was nondescript, but it sounded like Cinderella, 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 la la It's the work song from Cinderella. From Disney Cinderella? Yes. Turn in your card, David. (laughs) I'm not saying I've never seen it. I'm just saying that, can you blame me that I didn't quite pick up that from the stuff that was coming out of Blair? Because clearly they were trying to avoid having to pay any royalties. She clearly says, Cinderella, Cinderella, night and day, it's Cinderella. Oh, okay. She clearly says that. Okay. Well, then, apparently (sighs) I wasn't listening. David. What am I doing? I should just stop. Let's just end this right now. (laughs) Christ. We're off to a great start here, Almeida. Um, But I will say about that, let me just mm -hmm. start right in with my comments, if I may. Do it. Um, I, I like that they didn't take a sitcom trope and put her in like overalls and like, you know, like work, real work clothes. Like that is something that Blair Warner would have worn. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, it's like, anyway, I don't know why that struck me, but I was like, I'm surprised, you know, whenever they do something in a sitcom where people are like working, suddenly they have like work clothes. Well, it's kind of like that when they painted the room over the cafeteria, you're like, where did these clothes come from? These yeah. uh, just, work things. I wasn't mad at it. Okay, I I wasn't I wasn't that mad at it either. They even did have some like ash on her face, some some black soot on her face to make sure it's clear that Blair is cleaning. Yes. No, yeah. take note, America. Yeah. Well then, ding dong or knock knock at the door, in comes Cliff. 
who I will lovingly refer to as eyebrows from now on. <laughs> it does. At least they're blonde, but wow, they are Ooh. quite crazy. Lyndon Johnson eyebrows is what he's got. <laughs> he Ooh. does, but he's he, he still makes it work. He's still so cute. Oh, I he's think. handsome AF. I'm not yeah. I mean, I'm not going to notice his eyebrows when his head is buried in the pillow. You know what I mean? <laughs> But he comes in. Now, this is this episode is our final appearance of Cliff in the uh, these few Cliff. I think it's what five. It's it's a it was a five episode thing that we've had Cliff, and then he does reappear later uh, in season eight in Cupid's Revenge, where it looks like he and Blair might possibly rekindle something, and then that never goes anywhere. Not unlike the fact that his initial introduction was this new boyfriend who was a stripper by night and he took off his clothes and we are scandalized never even got to see him in a thong yeah yeah <laughs> yes we get to see him in hospital pants and no shirt yeah That's... he was the only stripper that night that kept his pants on yeah i i protest as well i i, I wrote an angrily worded letter back when i was 15 years old yeah and uh but the thing is here is cliff Last week, we just went through this big thing of the next level of their relationship, where Blair was feeling overwhelmed and overtaken by him and didn't know she wanted to be tied down to one person. And then when the, the Hollywood star, Heather Hunt, um, and, and, you know, her brother back home, Mike, Mike Hunt, and... Um, nope. And <laughs> nope. I see you trying to sneak it in. Nope. <laughs> but Heather uh, started to try and date him and Blair got jealous. And so at the end of the episode was Blair and Cliff saying their first, I love yous. Mm. We have never, ever referred to his dancing ever again. Mm -mm. And, you know, I was just listening to that episode, the my episode last week. And as I was talking about it with James Brendlinger, I was thinking, God, I still have more thoughts and feelings. I, at the end, for all the rewrites I wanted, I also thought they could have, should have said something about the fact that he is, uh, that he dances at night. Blair could say, well, that girl was making the moves on you. And he could say, do you think I don't know how to handle myself when it comes to women throwing themselves at me, Blair, you're the one I want. It's, they, they had opportunities there to incorporate this, does he still dance or doesn't he still dance? And um, like I said, when he says, I've made a commitment earlier in the episode, I wonder if that, the intention of that was, I stopped dancing for you, bitch. Um, just throwing that out there. Anyhow, this episode uh, is going to be about Blair once again grappling, wrestling with her relationship with Cliff. And uh, I do want to point out, he's wearing the same outfit that he wore to that party last week when he met Heather Hunt and was looking so dapper. I noticed that I was I was actually going to compliment them like you had been with Natalie's father passing, how they kind of continued that story arc into the next episode. Mm -hmm. I thought, what if it's the next day? What if like <laughs> he just like, you know, he, he went from the party, he had to do his overnight or whatever. <laughs> and I guess what he was wearing. Maybe it's the next know. day. 
<laughs> I would have loved that. Um, so Blair does allude to her kind of being a mess. Like he's like, I, I want to talk to you. And she kind of does, I'm not home when she's standing right there. And he does say, you are gorgeous. And you're like, and oh. she is. She is. And, she is. and he says, I have big news. I've been accepted into the Dallas General Intern Program. So this is him advancing his medical school training and his education. And Blair says, that is great news. And then she pauses and she says, unless Dallas General is in Dallas, meaning, whoa, whoa, are you moving away? And he says, yes, I do have to go to Dallas, but we won't have to be separated. Blair, I want you to marry me. But he says, I have to ask you a question. And then he says, I want you to marry me. That's not a question. <laughs> like, I, I want I, you to marry me? <laughs> and as soon as those words came out of his mouth, I was like, that's quite a jump from last week when we were just deciding that we wanted to be committed to each other and not have an open relationship and do one of the hardest kisses that I've seen on Facts of Life mm. ever, by the way, at Start But, um, and now they want to get married. That's a hell of a jump, I thought. Like, you wouldn't yeah. jump to, like, let me get out there, see what it's like. And obviously, we are still committed to each other, but it's a long-distance relationship. Or, you know, yeah. that's a big jump to get married, dude. It, it is. So. I, I will agree. Um, but he says at medical school, they say he has a big future as a chest cutter. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, thank you. Nineteen forties writers. Yeah, exactly. They just came off of writing an episode of Mash. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call the guy that cuts the chests? The chest cutter. Ha ha. So, um, but Blair does say, "Well, I don't have a problem with Dallas. Two of my best friends live there: Neiman and Marcus." That's a good one. But um, bum writing win. You saved it, Mister Jerry Mayer, Vaudevillian writer. Um. So there's this funny, funny moment where Blair says, we just need to talk about this slowly. Like, this is a lot to take in. We need to slow the fuck down. And he says, it's okay, we can slow down. So tell me, are you gonna do it? Tell me now, tell me now. Like, he's so anxious and happy. And um, Matthew, this is a point where I would like to bring in another one of our 2D fruities because mm. uh, Denise L had some comments about this point of the show. And I think they are, Perfectly timed if we share them now. I, you know, when I was watching, I was saying to myself, I wonder what Denise L thinks about this scene. <laughs> well, this is what Denise L thinks. Hello, David and Matthew. This is Denise, one of your Tootie Fruities. I just finished watching the episode and wanted to give you my thoughts. First of all, it was really fun to watch an episode that dreams about what 2000 will be like because I think we were all like that back in the 80s. Um, I don't remember this episode at all from growing up, but um, it wasn't one of my favorites. I don't particularly enjoy the dream sequence in general. Um, the first thing that stuck in my head was that I could not believe that Blair would actually even entertain or listen to a marriage proposal when she just finished cleaning a chimney. Uh, she was sitting there with dirty clothes on and a dirty face. I would imagine that Blair would have shot that right down and insisted that it be done much on a much bigger scale and much fancier. Um, so that kind of stuck with me through the whole episode. Um, and the second thing that I thought was a little bit funny was that Edna is giving advice on a global scale, and yet when she needs to make her own decision about hiring Blair, she had to consult with Elsie. So it was, 
you know, overall entertaining as Facts of Life always is. It was fun to walk down memory lane and watch an episode. And I love being here with you guys. So thank you. Oh, Denise Al. Thank you, Denise. And she echoed what you said earlier, that we all were thinking yeah. about the year 2000 back at that time. Um, I have to say, I kind of agree that it would have been totally on brand for Blair to say, whoa, whoa, no, no, you are not asking me to marry you right now. And he's like, but yes, I am. And have her say, no, that is not happening. Not right here, not with me looking like this. No, I totally think that would have been, and comedically, it would have worked for Blair to shut it down saying, no, 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 you are taking that back. You did not just propose to me. This did not happen. Um, I like that that is what you would expect from Blair, but Blair gives us the unexpected a lot of the time. <laughs> In, and you see it when you see that she truly cares about Joe. Mm -hmm. And later on, you'll see it when, you know, <clears throat> like you think she should be marrying a doctor. But later on in the season nine, she starts dating the guy, the loser who runs the, the community center. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So I, I mean, I, can, I kind of, like you wouldn't really expect Blair to be cleaning a chimney either. No, you know? certainly not. But I mean, I, I can see where Denise is coming from. That is absolutely how you would expect Blair to, to respond. Mm -hmm. And uh, she did mention LC. That is another little tidbit. A uh, little teaser, we will talk more about LC in just yeah. a short bit. Um, Blair does say a very funny line, I always wanted to marry a man who wouldn't make me change my monogram. Yeah. Because she'd be Blair Winfield instead of Blair Warner. And here's the funny thing, we know she married a man who didn't make her change her monogram, didn't even make her change her last name. She married Tad Warner, is that her husband's name? Yep. Tad Warner in the reunion special. So she becomes Blair Warner Warner, which I think, I cannot think of anything more perfect. I love it. Than to have Blair have the, the same last name hyphenated. That was one of the few highlights of the reunion movie for me. The highlight of the reunion movie for me was um, Blair's license plate, Blair Witch. <laughs> I forgot about that, too. <clears throat> it was at the height of the Blair Witch Project um, yeah. craze. It was a movie. Google <laughs> it if you don't know what we're talking about. Um, so then uh, what they agree upon is that they're going to meet at 7 a.m. the next morning for an early breakfast. She will have had time to think about it, but there is definitely a sense of urgency here. Like he, you, it's not spoken, but it's like, okay, this is an opportunity. He needs to take it and answer and make his plans. So she does say she'll talk to him in the morning with her answer. And we, we very much, almost with a sledgehammer, start with the recurring theme, the through line, as it were, with the episode where Cliff turns to her and in a medium close-up emphatically says, I know you're going to say yes, and I know we'll be very, very happy. That will come back, people. So then we move on to the next scene. Now, we begin this scene with a three-minute chunk that was cut out from the syndication version. And uh, Matthew, you and I have seen it, but if any of you listening have watched it on Daily Motion or in any format other than the DVDs, 
you are probably missing the three minutes of this scene, which kind of help to begin laying the foundation of this continued recurring theme of Blair being very, very happy. Yeah. So I'm going to explain it in detail. I would just read the script word for word, but that would take <laughs> half the time. Uh, so we're at the bedroom and Joe is working on some sort of a machinery. Carburetor. She's a carburetor. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Even she sounded like Bowser when she said it. <laughs> she took it from me. She stole it. Um, so Tootie walks over to Natalie and says she needs help learning her monologue from our town for something. We don't know what. And Natalie very quickly grabs the play out of her hand and says, our town. Well, that's a classic. That would be perfect to put in my time capsule that we're doing for my history class. And Tootie's like, bitch, that's my script. Give it back. I need to fucking learn a monologue. And uh, so they start bickering. And Joe says, hey, keep it down. I'm performing microsurgery on my carburetor. And then Blair comes into the room. And she says, mother says hello. Which is nice. It's like, oh, she's been on the phone with her mother. That's what you do. You call your mom. It's nice to know they included that. And uh, they're like, you've been on the phone with her like all friggin' afternoon. What's up with that? And she just goes, oh, girl talk, mother-daughter stuff and making plans, nothing important. So then Natalie introduces the idea of because they're doing this time capsule in her history class, she says, we're doing this time capsule because guys, do you realize in 16 years, it's going to be the turn of the century. It's going to be the year 2000. Isn't that amazing? So she quickly turns on her tape recorder and goes into reporter mode. And she runs over to Blair and says, Blair, where do you think you'll be? Where do you think your life will be in the year 2000? And Blair says, I know in the year 2000, I'll be very, very happy. She says, what will you be in 16 years? And Blair does go, 35. Yes. Remember when 35 was old? Oh yeah. <laughs> But this is a great moment, Matthew, for me to stop dead the synopsis to obsess on a little sidebar because you know how I love the girls and their ages and reporting the ages on a regular basis. Yes. Yes, Blair will be. 35 in the year 2000, the show did get that correct, as Joe will also be because Blair and Joe are the same age. This is just for check-in. This is not a correction or an omission. Natalie in the year 2000 will be 32. Tootie will be 31, and Mrs. Garrett will be, if she is the same age as Charlotte Ray, she will be 73. Funny enough, the reunion movie was in 2001. I thought of that. To when she said later on, when she talks about entering the year 2000 as a redhead. Yes. She is, yeah. because <laughs> she is in the, in the reunion movie. Oh, yeah. So she did get that right. Yeah. That one of the things. It's true. And um, Natalie comes up with, well, I'm going to be a writer, a lover, a gourmet cook, a computer expert, a space traveler, and all this, you know, high hopes and all that. And Blair does say, well, what about being someone's wife? And Natalie's like, well, yeah, that's a given. And then she says, well, Blair, where do you think you're going to be? And she says, do you think you might be studying art in France or maybe fashion design in New York? And uh, Blair says... Something to the effect of, well, that's all just stuff until I become a wife. And uh, thank God, 
Natalie does say, oh yeah, Blair, that's a great attitude. If it was 1862, like, because <laughs> Blair does kind of allude to the fact that, well, my studies and shit aren't going to matter when I'm a wife. That's what I'm going to do. And that's all that I'm going to be. And it's like, honey, you are a, you are a woman of the 80s. That is not very forward thinking. And, and Natalie even says, Blair, you're pointed in the wrong direction. You should be moving forward. So then Tootie says, she's going to be a star. She's going to be the first lady of Broadway. And Natalie says, what if there is no Broadway in the year 2000? And then Tootie, and God bless her. She is right. She says, there will always be a Broadway. Fucking A, girl. Yes. I'm and glad then, that hit specifically hard. Uh, like currently and, as Broadway is yeah. closed. <laughs> yeah. Well, she uh, didn't say anything about 2020. That's a whole no. other kettle of fish, clearly. But then um, she... I'm uh, glad then, you decided not to read it word for word. No, me too. Because that would have taken forever. <laughs> <laughs> but Tootie does say, well, I'm going to be a star. If not here, then in another galaxy far, far away. Thank you for the Star Wars reference, because that sets up what you're going to look like in the year 2000. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we do have more. Put a pin in that, because we do have some more commentary about that coming up. And then they say, Joe, where are you going to be in the year 2000? She says, still working on this stupid carburetor. Ha ha. Hey, yo. Who? I don't know. Joe Boygan. <laughs> so then... That's the end of the, the edited, removed portion. Then Mrs. Garrett comes into the room. So now we are in the, the scene as it is shown in the syndicated version. Yeah. And Mrs. Garrett saying, girls, it's late, go to sleep, or at least tell me what you're talking about. There's also, you're missing the 80s tech of her carrying around a cassette recorder with the little microphone that came yes. with that recorder, <laughs> which I had. And oh, yeah. oh, that microphone was my Judy Garland microphone when I was a kid. Oh, <laughs> that thing. But what I love is like, that's the problem with these time capsules. And I wish they would, they mentioned that, but I wish they would have made it a point in the episode or something for all of them to be like, what do you want to put in this, in this time capsule? You know what I mean? And then they could have opened it or some, I don't know. I just felt like they mentioned it, but anyway, shut up, Matthew. The, no, um, no, stop with the shut up, the Matthew. Thing is, you're you're um, saying that the girls should have done their own time capsule and then we could have opened it in the year 2000 and yeah. reflected on it. That would yeah. have been amazing. I guess, but like, I, I don't know. But here, the point is, like she's making a, a time capsule. She's going to put a cassette in it. Yeah. We, we can't even play a cassette now. <laughs> Do you know what it would take for me right now if somebody's handed me a cassette tape that said this has important information on it? And I'd be like, I don't know what you want me to do with it. <laughs> like, is this information you need today? Because I'm going to yeah. have to get on Amazon and <laughs> order a tape player. <laughs> For the love. Yeah. Because, I mean, 2000, we were, we were fully ensconced in CDs by then. Like, you didn't buy cassettes of your favorite record albums. It was the first year streaming happened. Oh, yeah. Sure. TV shows were putting stuff online. The Office was the first TV show to be streamed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, go ahead. So. But then um, Joe does a recap. So with that big, long scene that they took out, and when I say big, long, it was three minutes. It just took me 40 to explain it. Uh, 
Joe then does a recap. She says, so let's just, let's just recap this. Uh, in the year 2000, Natalie's going to do this. Uh, Tootie's going to be this. And Blair is not going to do anything, but she's going to be very, very happy. So we had the earlier reference to very, very happy and being just a bride and a wife and the question of, but what, what else are you going to do? So this kind of hits at home. And I think in the rerun, that's as close as you're going to get. Then Blair says, well, what are you going to be doing, Joe? Giving a lube job to a rocket bike? Giggity. <laughs> and Joe says, yeah, if I want, I can do anything. I can even be president. And what does Mrs. Garrett say? And if you're a Democrat, I'll vote for you. <laughs> Which is hilarious in 1984, as it was an election year and Reagan was about to win with the largest margin in the history of the United States. Huge, <laughs> yes. So but for somebody to declare that they were a Democrat in 84 was pretty weird <laughs> yeah and for the few times we've you know it's always been just not really addressed but then out of nowhere like when mrs garrett says oh natalie and i are going to a save the whales demonstration or protest like certainly a very non-mainstream thing to be in the 80s was a democrat that's for sure but matthew tutti frutti andrea l had some thoughts that i think would be perfect right now at this moment to share Hi, David. This is Lamo, uh, formerly known as Andrea L. Really, the biggest thing that popped out for me in this episode, and and I remember watching it live in my nine-year-old self, was, holy crap, Joe's hair. I believe that was the first time we had seen it down like that. And um, I, looking back, that is one of the many moments of this show that I think, how did I not know I was gay? I mean, how? Um, but yeah, um, and another side note, it was not surprising, but it was cute to, to know that Mrs. G was a Democrat, <laughs> um, that she would only vote for Joe if she was a Democrat. Um, anyway, I would definitely love if you could pass along to Matthew Arter that I also was a Hoosier who grew up in a town that had a Dairy Queen that closed down for what felt like half the year, and I never understood it. Um, anyway, great. I love that you're doing this, and I absolutely love the show and look forward to uh, your episodes every week, and I look forward to this episode. Anyway, take care, and I'll, I'll listen to you later. Bye-bye. Oh, Andrea. A fellow Hoosier. Is that, a, um, is that an Indiana thing? Yeah, Indiana Hoosiers. And, and that's a, what type of a team? Um, well, that's the thing. Nobody really knows what a Hoosier is yeah. it's like, or what that word means. I mean, there's Indiana lore about how we got the word Hoosier, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to waste anybody's time talking about it. But <laughs> I would like to know where she came from. And girl, don't feel bad about not knowing you were gay when you're watching it. I didn't know I was when I was watching Blair. I wanted to be her and still <laughs> it didn't dawn on my head that, oh, you might like Dick, Matthew. Like that never, I just wanted to be Blair, for God's sake. But uh -huh. she is correct about Joe's hair. Yes. Girl. So before they go to bed, Natalie annoyingly keeps making them turn on the lights, turn off the lights, a little bit of shtick there. But the big thing is Natalie says, guys, let's promise to meet here on January 1st in the year 2000. 
let's meet here uh, at noon and uh, let's hope it's a nice day. Let's see you all, let's hold hands and pledge. So that's the sort of premise established. They hold hands and they pledge to do it, mostly just to shut Natalie up and let them go to sleep. And then the last image of the scene is Blair and we see her drifting off to sleep. Again, another sitcom trope of just full face going to sleep. Oh. <laughs> it's always bothered me. And later on in the episode when Mrs. Garrett comes in, it's like, good morning. It's like, you woke up like that? <laughs> yes. Haven't been to the shower yet. It's like Girl. your hair is every bit as poofed and bouffanted as it was when you, yeah. Girl, your balloon knot is tight. <laughs> <laughs> and it was knottier this show. Did you notice? Yeah. Did you notice it was more of a balloon knot hair than we had been seeing this season? <laughs> yes, I did. I did take note of Mrs. Garrett's balloon knot. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so then we now are in Edna's Edibles, but it's not quite Edna's Edibles. It's this very weird uh, white version of it. Uh, there's some gauzy filters over the camera to give it kind of this haze. And um, it is interesting that this is uh, clearly a dream Blair is having about the future, about that day in 2000. A little part of me was like, are they dead? Is this heaven? Yeah, it was a little heavenly. <clears throat> and I not mean, in a good way. <laughs> now, luckily, they got Barbara Walters' lighting guy. Um, <laughs> and they got Liz Taylor's camera guy, because <laughs> this looks like it was filmed through a Navajo blanket, for God's sake. <laughs> but it's, it is the Edna's the, the Edible set, but it's, there's a lot more white and cream tones my question about this was, though, like, it looked to me smaller than the actual set. And I was, because it just looks like, I call it the cardboard version. Like, it looks like it's made out of, like, plywood. And they just, like, just, this is what we're filming on this week. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't gather that they, that they redid the existing Edna's Edible set and repainted that. Just have to go back and paint it back the old way. Again, they no. clearly did a, a reassembly, and yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is smaller. They don't need all that room. Because apparently in the year 2000, you can't look outside because they're like the windows are all, yeah. all frosted. But this, see, these are the beginning, just right at the beginning of the challenge of this episode is, okay, well, I, I have to accept that because it's a dream. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. like, I can't be mad at the fact that why are there why are there like when somebody comes up to you and goes i had a really weird dream last night have you ever had a normal dream yeah <laughs> i've never had a normal dream all my yeah. dreams are pretty fucked up yeah no so, i hear you so i have to like i have several notes that i scratched out because i'm like well it's a fucking dream of course that can happen yeah so and and this is a good time to to stop and pause and bring this to another screeching halt and say that when sitcoms do this, this is kind of a sitcom trope that there's always some sort of a, a, an episode or two in an entire series where they kind of like to let loose a little bit. Like they, they let go of the shackles of the normal structure 
and and do a thing like this. This is pretty early. Typically, they get really weird in the later seasons of sitcoms, as the facts of life will in season nine. We got <laughs> we got some shit coming down the pike. But this is only season five, and we haven't even been in Edna's Edibles for a season. And yet that they already felt like, well, we need to do a dream sequence. We got to we got to break free of this. It, it's just unusual. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at it other than I'm mad at everything and all the rewrites I'm going to be putting forward, but it's, um, it's just interesting and odd throwing really? that out there. But the set is, like I said, whites and creams. There is a little bit of wood. Some of the baskets and barrels are there. The garlic is hanging. It's a lot of bread hanging around. Just a lot of bread. <laughs> just like, uh, here, have some bread. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's weird. But and for Blair, some reason, the counter is filled with, with bagels, but it's clearly like wallpaper of, of bagels. Like, it's not like they poured 500 bagels into this, into this cupboard. That the, gla- the, the, the display. showcase? Yeah. Like, yeah. The okay, showcase, gotcha. The counter. It, it's like contact paper. Yeah. Instead it's of like- real things behind glass. Yeah. Um, so Blair is there and she appears. And now Blair is wearing a sort of uh, satiny blue dress. And she looks around and says, oh, it's, I'm here. It's Edna's Edibles. And it's, it's the year 2000. And look, Mrs. Garrett still sells croissant and quiche. Nothing has changed. And she goes over and picks up a croissant. Uh, if you thought you were in heaven before, you might think you're in hell now because you hear this awful digital computer voice. And what does it say? Shit. Return. Release croissant? Cro- release croissant. Release croissant. Or, yeah, something. It says release croissant. Um, shop- shoplifters will be prosecuted. Yeah, and Jesus. and on I know, and on the back is this, um, is this computer? It, it is like a big display, a big black screen with light bright lights behind it, and then a display of LEDs. And uh, yeah, our our friend Erin pointed out. She says this looks like Mission Control from the '60s. Okay, yeah. this doesn't look like year two thousand computers. But um, yeah, I wrote down: Is she in the Bat Cave or is she at Edna's <laughs> Edibles? Yes, because even like- Edna's computer looks like something from the Bat Cave. It does. Oh my God, you're so right. <laughs> you are so right. So Mrs. Garrett comes over, and we hear Blair. But she enters, like, again, it's a dream sequence, I get it. But Mrs. Garrett has been over there in the corner the whole time. Just standing there. Yep. Watching Blair walk around. And... Creepy. Yeah. But okay. well, we, maybe she had her back turned to the room because she was facing the other thing that we're about to discuss. You don't think it would ding, the door ding when she came? I don't know. I just, again, I agree. It's a I dream. I agree. It's a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> So Mrs. Garrett is wearing her same typical type of outlet, the A-line skirt, the blouse with the tie in the front, but the whole outfit is white. The blouse tie is pink. Mm-hmm. And to age her, they put a tiny streak of silver in her hair, which you really can't see through the gauzy filters unless you're, I, I had to look for it because I at one point went, did they do anything to, oh, they did. They just put a little Pepe Le Pew streak in, yeah. in the side of her hair. Uh, so that's how they aged her. Otherwise she looks the same. We're not talking, there's no prosthetics, there's no whatevers. Um, but she does say, Blair, you haven't changed a bit. 
prophetic words. Yeah. And then she apologizes for LC. That's the computer that yelled at Blair because apparently it monitors the store and it gets cranky. LC, Matthew, stands for laser computer. Yeah. With feelings. Typical 1984. What? Yeah. It's, it's a future. It's a laser computer. It's Everything's like, going to be lasers. And like in the 60s, when they talked about 2000, we were all going to be in flying cars. Oh, God, yes. But in the yeah. 80s, when they talked about 2000, everything was lasers and pills. Like, oh, look at this pill that I cook into a pizza. And look at, oh, and later on, um, Blair, um, Natalie says, oh, I, try, I, I don't do book pills. Like yes. you swallow a pill and you have read a book. Like just, yeah. yeah. So the 80s, clearly a lot of pills were going to be around in the year 2000. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I know there were for me. Anyhow, um, but laser computer is just so, it's two different things that function in completely different ways other than they're both technology words. Mm -hmm. But it's like... <laughs> This laser computer and then calling it LC for short. Well, there's some creativity at play there, people. Um, but it's just ridiculous. And there is a standard keyboard too, like the Batcave thing. Yeah. It's a standard sized keyboard from like a Smith Corona typewriter. It's, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So Mrs. Garrett says, how is Dallas to Blair? So, oh, this is a dream of the future in which Blair has moved to Dallas to be with Cliff. And Blair's response to Mrs. Garrett, I'm very, very happy. Yeah. Oh, there it is again. Yeah. So then Blair says, so what's happened to the shop? And she's like, oh, I don't just do baked goods anymore. Welcome to Edna's Edibles and Advice International. Mm -hmm. And the camera pans mm -hmm. over to where we're used to seeing the butcher block counter and other display case. And now it looks like, yeah, Batcave Mission Control at NASA with a map of the world on the wall with LEDs behind it. And, and, and there's also a sit-down desk place with more lights and flashing. It looked like they went to the Electra Woman and Dyna Girl uh, clearance sale after they broke down those sets. Yeah. Painted um, it a nice mauve color. <laughs> <laughs> Someone listens to the show. <laughs> and at the bottom of the global display there, it says over 6 million served. So it, Mrs. Garrett, because she was always so good with advice, has decided to go global with it. And her international hub is right there in Peekskill. Um, that is kind of forward thinking that you could run an advice service from the privacy of your own home, accessible to anyone in the world, that's the internet, kids. It just hadn't fully formed yet at that point. Well, and she also still was talking to people on a corded phone. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. And she needed another job to add to her roster. She needed to also uh, be... <laughs> well, maybe they figured by that time pot would be legal. So she had to like branch out into other ways to make money since Edna's Edibles wasn't necessary anymore. Yeah. Since, yeah, since heroin and cocaine were now legal. Um, so, uh, yes. So then uh, LC starts saying, two bodies approaching, two bodies approaching, Natalie and Tutti. And 
Um, before we go even further with that, I would like to let our tutti frutti Derek J say a few thoughts of his own that uh, this is the perfect time to listen to them. Hi, David. This is uh, Derek Johnson. I usually message you on Thursdays, just commenting on the episodes, your podcast. I really love it. Um, as far as this particular episode is concerned, this is one of my favorite episodes. I love this episode um, because I feel like kind of Blair kind of gets her comeuppance a little bit. Um, one of the other things I love about this episode is that Mrs. Garrett corrects um, LC when she says Tootie. She literally, the machine literally says 2T, and Mrs. Garrett goes, no, it's 2D. <laughs> and I was like, that's what the damn machine said. <laughs> I love that. And um, I also love the fact that Natalie has like, you know, 8,000 kids, you know, because that's just funny. And the fact that she actually lost her virginity first makes it, makes that one scene a little more, um, interesting when you think about it in those sense, but I love this episode and uh, appreciate your work and you know love what you do and hopefully you can do more of these because you know the fans want to speak as well so you know love you David thank you so much bye thank you Derek, Derek. he does he does write to me every Thursday we have our little private discussions where he sends me his thoughts on the episodes and uh, I love anytime I can interact with the fans that's great Point. Such a down-to-earth star, David. Oh, thank you're, you're you. So, you're so down-to-earth. You're one of the people with your fans. <laughs> <sighs> yes. And I do want to give Derek extra points for his Mrs. Garrett impression for joining in. We're going to talk about Natalie and her kids in, in just a little bit. But yes, this whole thing of... The, the joke is supposed to be the computer says Natalie and 2T, like it's the letters, 2T. And Mrs. Garrett says, no, it's not 2T, it's 2T. And it does sound kind of the same. It's like, what you, you're talking to a computer and you think it could make that. I talk to my Siri and I say, send a text to Matthew Arder. And it says, uh, you want to order 40,000 bales of hay? Is that correct? It's like, I can't get Siri to understand a word I say. I can't do voice to text at all. Oh, yeah? Not no. at all? No. It's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But um, so, so, yes, Derek picked up on that, and as did I, that that was a little bit of a weird joke that didn't really pay off. Uh, and then we have the two entrances where Natalie and Tootie come in and what grand entrances they are. Well, it, they should be because they looked they a camera shot of the door for about eight seconds before they walked <laughs> through it. It's like, hello, Kim, you're on. <laughs> That's a Lauren Michaels thing. From uh, Tina Fey writes about that in her book. How Lauren Michael is at one point like in the control room. He just screamed, "You don't cut to a closed door." Yeah, like they, that's a they, rule of television directing. Yeah, they, they certainly did pan over to that door for about eight seconds before Kim decides to make her entrance and she by walks. herself, leaving Tootie, leaving Natalie out by herself, apparently. Like, <laughs> I get it. Like, yeah, it's for the applause. It's for the whole, the, you know, there's, there are certainly moments to be had here and they grab them. Yeah. So Natalie comes in and she is in these long drapey robes. 
looking like... She apparently like... lives on Tatooine. Yeah, <laughs> she's a, like a very um, world traveler, earth mother. Um, she has got this long braid on one side, the one that uh, Matthew C. talked about. Did look a bit thirsty, just saying. Well, and if that were actually your hair, you wouldn't play with it that much. Like I'm, you wouldn't, she's uh, constantly holding on to it. And it's uh, like, we get it, Natalie. But if that were your hair, I don't feel like you'd be, you'd, it would be more natural just to, anyway. That drives yeah. me crazy. Did you see um, in The Wedding Singer, the girl that was Adam Sandler's fiance, she had an amazing 1980s thing going on and all the actress did was touch it and play with it. And it's like, no, if that was your hair, you wouldn't be touching it. That is an yeah. actor playing with a prop that happens to be on their head. Stop it. And so it's like, when I can't stand as an actor to watch people who don't smoke, smoke. Oh. It drives me crazy. It's, yeah. Like, you, like you, they do things with the cigarette that you would never do as yeah. a smoker. Like, I, anyway. But, and when you see a, a film actor who has clearly never been on a stage before playing a role that has to hold a microphone mm. and they have no microphone technique. Yep. If you've actually performed live on a stage with a microphone, you very quickly learn you need to hold it still. You don't gesture with it while you're talking. And if you do pull it away from your face, the sound should get softer and it doesn't. It's like, Ugh. That's one of those things that would drive Jennifer Leonardi, Heather Leonardi crazy. Oh, oh really? Remember on, on the show she was talking about, she said she always notices when things like don't make a sound, like if they throw something across oh, yes. the room. And it doesn't make, that would drive Heather Leonardi crazy. Did I, did I already mention, was that, did I do my mic technique in that or was that my... Um... There was something you guys talked about, that yeah. something you guys brought up. But I forget what I have was. a question about Natalie's hair. Dude. Did, you, did you notice, like, it, it, is it just me or was it the way it was shot or the lighting? It looked like they grayed her sides a little bit as well. I think they may have. And I, I was like, so. she's 32. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you're going to do. Okay. I love that they made her from Santa Fe. <laughs> it's so perfect. Mm -hmm. And then continuing with this whole thing of uh, Tootie wearing a headscarf and a shawl and is carrying a binder for some reason. I guess she always has to have a script in her hand but big jewelry. She does look very mature. I will say they do get her looking and the full beat doesn't hurt. <laughs> Still has her braces, as Matthew C. pointed out, which is kind of fun. But uh, both of them are in cream and white colors. And Natalie has uh, this lightish burgundy, almost a, a mauve color uh, mm -hmm. hanging on her tunic. And then Tootie's scarf is also a shade of mauve. So we see this color palette taking shape where the girls are all in the pinks and the mauves, but Blair is in blue, in a yeah. bright blue. Clearly they're, they're not too subtly trying to make it clear that Blair is the fish out of the water here. Yeah. So um, then the, there's talk and hellos and hi, how you doings and blah, blah. And already the sitcom trope of, just like last week to start Langley, is that how TV writers think that the American public see actors mm. like 
you and I never talk the way Tootie is talking. Yeah, yeah, she's doing the darling sort of a, well, I have la la la, like, yeah, she's trying to be grand and over the top. Yeah, a lot like Heather, Heather Hunt was last, last week, yeah. I have many, many actor friends, and one of them in my life has been like that, and it's the one everybody's like, I can't stand to be in a room with her. <laughs> I'm not gonna say any names, but. Well, like I was saying last week about uh, TV and movies exist in the same town. Is TV that separated from the movies at this point in history that they don't even have a concept of what movie stars are really like? And then the same thing goes for when Hollywood or TV make, make something that has to do with a stage actor. Well, then in comes the Shakespearean actor. And yeah. you're like, that, that's not how, you're all in the same business. You don't have some semblance of understanding of the variations within the craft of the never mind moving on moving on so three of the girls are so there the, yeah and the and the thing is uh right. joe is coming later and blair says what is joe doing these days and the big like the whole room looks at her like what what do you, you don't know every you don't know everybody knows and Mrs. Garrett says, well, you're going to be so surprised. And then Blair is Which, like, well, tell me, tell me, what's happened to Joe? So, uh, it, so it should be noted that Blair's response is, what, what, tell me, tell me what's happened to Joe? Like she's really uh, distressed over the fact that they won't tell her and is assuming that they're not telling her means something is terrible, that they can't tell her. And while she's doing that, like you do in a dream sequence, everyone just starts, oh, ha, 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 ta, 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 fawning, 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 hello, we're back together. We're ignoring Blair because it's a, it's a dream, but it's really a nightmare and we won't tell her, da, da, da. And we fade to black. Which again, I had a problem with because it's like, I get it, it's a dream. But in her dream, they've never had contact. Like they have zero contact with each other. I, like we're just supposed to accept that as part of the dream. Yeah, so I, again, the issues I have, I have to, I had to remind myself, oh, it's a dream. <laughs> yes. And uh, that's, that's giving the writer of this an awful lot of leeway. He's getting quite wide berth from us in this, well, it's a dream uh, type of thing. So, Matthew, we are mm -hmm. at commercial and I thought this was the perfect time to play what Amy W. sent in. So we're going to listen to and oh. hear what Amy W. has to say. Hi, David. This is Amy W. Why I didn't love this episode. So many reasons. This was a strange mix, but I can't complain too much because it's Blair's dream, and dreams can be strange. Two complaints. Number one, in the first scene, Blair's wearing a scarf with a smudged face and cleaning a fireplace akin to Cinderella and singing Cinderella's The Work Song. This felt like a theme, but it never got carried through into the episode, or did it, and I missed it. Wondering if there was an additional Cinderella-themed scene or plot point in the original full episode that got edited out of the syndicated version. Complaint number two, the store. Welcome to Edna's Edibles and Advice International. They gave Edna yet another job within a job. I think she should be retired in the year 2000. She's approximately 74 years of age, and she must be ready to collapse. I actually loved Tootie and Natalie's costume. 
It was as if Tootie and Natalie were from another planet. I looked up the sci-fi films of this time. Uh, this episode was filmed in early 1984, as you know, and Star Wars Return of the Jedi was out the summer of 1983. I definitely think Natalie's hair was inspired by Princess Leia's braid in that Jabba the Hutt scene. I think the robe-type dresses were drawn from the Skywalker costumes. There was even a joke about how Edna's computer pronounced Tootie's name as 2T, number two, letter T. I thought it was interesting that Star Wars appeared to be an influence on the show, even though this episode takes place in a dream a short 14 years into the future. Well, great observations, Amy. I think, and I agree with everything she's saying about the the set decorations, and um, I loved the costumes on Natalie and Tootie. I, just, I did too. And the thing is, she didn't see the full-length version that you and I saw where Tootie explicitly said, I'm going to be a star, if not here, in a galaxy far, far away. Mm. The episode basically told us that they were going to be drawing from that, but you don't get that in the syndicated version. So I'm, I'm like, bravo, Amy. That was a good catch because I really didn't think of it that way. But all of that, yeah, 2T sounds a lot like C-3PO to me. Mm-hmm. Or R2-D2. And we had to establish that Tootie, um, they just got here from Mars. Oh, we haven't gotten there, no. Um, we oh, were, yeah. I think that comes in after the commercial. Oh, okay. But yes, and I have another uh, Tootie Fruity that I would like, 2T Fruity, that I would like to play uh, from Bruce H., and then after that, we're going to get back into the show. But I, <laughs> I want you to hear what Bruce has to say, Matthew. Hiya, Bruce H. here. Good episode, but so much blinding white going on. Forget our town. Natalie was dressed like some refugee from a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. So glad 2000 fashion wasn't dominated by Toga Chic. Hat tip to Blair. Yes, being happy is a full-time job, which is why I include this podcast in my weekly regimen. Love the show's format and punctuality of postings, but something I need to get off my chest. I personally like when Natalie cracks herself up. Okay, I realize I'm outnumbered, and that's okay. I find it adorable, and it needed to be said. Anywho, keep up the good work. Thanks. Thank you, Bruce. I have to say, like, now that he has said it, I... I w- I've never been mad at two. Honestly, maybe I, it sounded like I was, but I always enjoyed when she kind of cracked herself up. I always thought it was adorable kind of too. Like, uh, yeah, maybe we I, have I mean, been harsh. As an actor, we probably come across as too harsh, but as somebody watching it, I always thought it was pretty funny. Like, you know, it, it, it yeah. humanized her a little bit. Yeah, and she was just so appealing anyway. Even yeah. that you, I mean, we, for, we forgive Mindy Cohn everything. Let's make that very clear. But bonus points for the funny thing happened on the way to the forum reference. Yep. Toga <laughs> chic. I think that needs to be a thing, especially after the pandemic when all most of us can fit into these days is a fucking toga. And the late 90s did kind of get that gauzy kind of, you know, like flowy, like South Beach, um, dressed like Nathan Lane in the birdcage, that kind of <laughs> Flowy, that at least in my wardrobe, it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you, Bruce, for that. Can we pee? During we can pee, break? I will allow it. We're at commercial, perfect timing. All right. 
And there you have it. That was Matthew Arder. That was the Tutti Fruities. And there's more to come from all of the parties involved when we finish this up in next week's exciting conclusion of Season 5, Episode 20, Dream Marriage. Until then, thank you so much for making these 100 episodes amazing and fantastic. And I can't wait to keep on going with the rest of the series. And until next we meet, remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash face the facts pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs> <laughs>